Hey, America. Start, start, start listening, listening now. now. Not bad. Not bad. Hey, everyone. Hey. Hey, I've got a thing to share with with all of the team. Not literally, because we're in different rooms. But I recently got this thing. Oh, no. Be, be, because this is uh, kind of still technically off season and we have nothing to talk about. I bought a dream flavored Coca-Cola. Oh, it I, says dream flavored on it. It tastes I, like dreams. And I'm going to I'm going to consume it right now. Just just for the record, this is not a sponsored episode or anything. like. No, that. no. Okay. If you if if we want coke money i mean that's fine i'm fine with that uh, all right so let's see what dreams taste like shall we oh god right. oh they're bad roll it Welcome to another dreamy episode of 12 Points for America, a Eurovision Song Contest podcast from America, where dreams taste like, I don't know, cantaloupe? I'm Ooh. Eric. I'm Derek. <laughs> I'm Samantha. And I'm Danny. There's nothing I like better than honeydew plus cola. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I mean, the parts that taste like Coke taste like Coke, so that's good. The parts that don't are weird and uh, confusing and very upsetting to me. But, you know, it's it's a thing that we tried. We did it live on air, you know, so that was cool. Are we going to be one of those clickbait reaction video streams now? We try 24 different types of Coke. You just go to the world of Coke and just try everything out of the spigots. Especially the Beverly. It all tastes bad. Especially if you mix it all together, it all tastes like Beverly. You know what you're doing. You're the only able to handle taking it all from the spigots. Bigots at once. Sam, hit him with the socials. Anyway, <laughs> yes, you can reach out to us on social media and let us know what your favorite flavor of cola-based beverage is by reaching out to us at 12PointsUSA <laughs> on either Facebook, Twitter. You can email us directly at 12Points or 12PointsFromAmerica at gmail.com. Yeah, let on. us know what your favorite cola-based is, Mr. Pib. Are you a pib guy or gal person? <laughs> Let us know so we can block you from the show. Not really. Uh, now I'm just Googling to see if there's like a, any official information of what it's supposed to taste like. But I don't know. I did see that this is, I guess, the fourth stupid Coke flavor they've done. They did the Starlight one. Yep. They did Starlight and then Coca-Cola Bite, B-Y-T-E, which I guess tastes like computers. Uh, yeah. And then <laughs> a limited edition Coke by Marshmallow, not the food, the DJ or the Homestar Runner character. No, just yeah. So I don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about Dream Coke. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll keep working on it as the show goes on and and see. But uh, I mean, I see, you, keep finishing you already, it. You already spent four bucks on that bottle. You may as well, you know, yeah, go finish it off. Four bucks? I don't know. Uh, it was not four dollars. Nobody either. said dreams came easy. I didn't want to know what dreams tasted like that badly. I guess. <laughs> oh, inflation's a thing. Anyway, yeah. if you want to support our our, uh, I don't know, Dream Coke habit, then. And you can also support us on Patreon if you'd like to. Uh, again, just search for 12 Points from America and you'll be able to uh, to help support our little podcast and our, our crazy little make-em-ups uh, from a monthly basis. And we would appreciate any support you can give us. Our normal content isn't going anywhere, but your support will help us make new content and crazy, wonderful things like the, uh, like the videos that we've been posting recently on our YouTube channel, including some wonderful lyrical moments with Danny. I'm gonna, we're going to be putting up some uh, uncut, unsaid, censored like outtakes and extended takes of the lyrical readings just for the patreon users and trust me you want to see these they're amazing uh so yeah check check those out if you enjoy our goof abouts we we really do appreciate it if you if you do that so or we're gonna have some more watch... 12 points reacts pretty soon too so yeah look out oh, for yeah. those yeah yes or if you just want to watch danny drip, uh, drinking whiskey while wearing a kimono in front of a pump organ i mean you, there's really no excuse not to yeah 
yeah again i will never get tired of the making the joke if you want to watch danny's pump organ just check out our youtube page uh, <laughs> moving on we have a uh, uh <laughs> we have a another patron to thank speaking of the patreon andrew andrew keelan thank you very much for listening uh, and contributing to the show you are awesome everyone be like andrew thank you again so much for uh for contributing to the show in that way it really does mean a ton thanks uh, to andrew so, so thanks a bunch for that <laughs> all right and uh on the topic of recurring things that we use to kill time we have we have a monster of a why my city should host essay here explaining why another town in the uk should be our host city for next year and i do believe this may be our most exhaustive of all of them mm-hmm. there's there's some passion behind this there is there's some genuine research and passion and uh I, I really do feel that the Hereford, Hereford, or I mean, not just the town, but maybe the entire of Herefordshire should hire our friend Lisa Jane Lewis for some of her, some, some of their, their, their tourist work. Cause seriously, like I really want to go now. I may as well just dive into this and, and hold on for dear life. Cause this is a ride y'all. I'm going to start by nominating my closest city where I work. In fact, to where I live, which is Hereford, just 12 miles from my hometown of Ledbury. Perfect city to host Eurovision. The largest entertainment complex we have is the Courtyard Theater with a staggering capacity of four. 416 people. It's about the same size as the Montenegrin National Theater. Not only do we have this vast entertainment space available, there are also plenty of smaller rooms within the venue, which could be used for the delegation bubble and the press center. I imagine we could easily squeeze about seven to nine members of the press in. (laughs) (laughs) and maybe up to two delegations at a time. Perfect. And you can rent this venue for just the low, low sum of £47 per hour with a discount for charities and local organizations. Brilliant. Really quick, uh, I I was curious about this. Suppose they so it's it's forty seven pounds an hour, uh-huh. not bad. Uh, if you want to rent it twenty four hours a day for about a month and a half, which is about what you need, mm-hmm. right for for Eurovision. Yep. Uh, it's about fifty thousand pounds. Oh, uh, for, for a total. steal. Totally reasonable. Totally Perfect. reasonable. Yeah. Please continue. All right. So now we move over to logistics. We have no international airport to speak of. In fact, we have no airport at all. But there is a train that runs from London at least three times a week and cost the same as a month's rent. You could also get a train to Abergavenny in South Wales, although I'm not sure why you'd want to. Sometimes we have buses too, but as yet, no one has been able to figure out where and when they depart, where they go to, or how to catch one. Uh, as for hotels, there is a Premier Inn at least about four Airbnb properties around, and I could <laughs> rent out my one-bedroom flat for £27,000 for the Eurovision weekend. But where Hereford really comes into its own, though, is our local industry, which is cider. Herefordshire is the Mm. cradle of cider production, despite what those bastards in Somerset might tell you. We have all the apples, we have the two largest cider producers in the country, and lots of little independent cider farms, too. We also have lots of small breweries, and to the north of the county, uh, lots and lots of cows, so beef is plentiful, too. You're screwed if you're a vegetarian, but you can always just have another pint of cider and call that dinner. The contest would be terrible, but everybody would spend two weeks in a cider-induced haze, and then just bugger off home. So that- Yeah, but the cider is strong, though, so, you know. Well, you have enough of it. If there's a sponsorship, you get it for cheap. I've never turned down free, cheap beer. Yeah, or cider, even better. No gluten. Anyway, so that is Lisa Jane's pitch for Hera for 2023, but now that I think about it, the more fun way to pick a host city would be how difficult it would be for various spokespeople to pronounce it. Milton Keynes was suggested, however, within spitting distance of Hereford are Worcester, where the sauce comes from, and Gloucester, which 
which most Americans, aside from the good people of Massachusetts and at a push New Hampshire, can't pronounce correctly, let alone the challenge that would pose for a Moldovan delegation. This would prove highly entertaining to all us Brits while we were sat there watching on devices that, for once, do not require a plug adapter. Aww, what a thought. Yeah, so that nice. is our dear friend Lisa Jane, who you may have remembered from our uh, from one of our preview episodes before the contest this year, uh, and her impassioned and really well thought out pitch for Hereford. She's absolutely right, by the way. I have no idea how to pronounce glue chaser. Glucagon. Glucagon, sure. Gleevice. band should be referred to as glue chasers from now on. Glue chasers? The glue chase is on. I have an update on the dream soda. Yeah. Uh, Has it fermented? uh, This could be a runner. I had Liz try it. Uh, she hates it. She said it's disgusting uh, and tastes kind of like if they just dip some Fresca into a Coke. Oh, but the thing is, like, I like I like Fresca. I don't know if I want them combined, even though that's apparently what I have. Um, so so dreams are Fresca is is the lesson here. OK. Dreams equals Fresca. Cool. Explain season two of the boy. <laughs> My dad will be pleased as punch. So so we're not getting any of the Coca-Cola sponsorship money, but we're now chasing after the Fresca sponsorship money. No, Fresca could be owned by Coca-Cola. I don't know. I don't know either. Definitely not getting a Strongbow sponsorship. That Heineken LLC isn't coming for us after what yeah. I said. I don't know. I'm still gunning for Iron Brew to do a, a major, major <sighs> solid. Or the amount of work Tonics. that we have done for the Tonics. Yes, please. Tonics, please start responding. Responding to my tweets, I promise I'm not as weird as I seem. I am, but I'm not. <laughs> Let's, oh gosh. So thank you again, Lisa Jane, for that. We have a couple of other things we kind of wanted to, to talk about. So the queen died. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, uh, have that- you heard? <laughs> Yeah, if somehow this show is how you're learning about how the queen died, first of all, go touch grass, I think, is the, what they say. <laughs> but yeah, uh, as we all know, uh, the queen, not uh, Samantha Tina, the queen, the, the queen of, uh, of Great Britain, Elizabeth II passed away. And... I was reminded of I had a I had a surprisingly in-depth conversation with Ewan Spence, another friend of the show from over at ESC Insight in Turin about and because it was like it was like the Monday of Eurovision week. And I don't even know how it came up. But the question was like, what if the queen dies like tomorrow? What's going to happen to the contest and and, and so on? And and he, he knew it's called Operation London Bridge. There was an incredibly in-depth plan and protocol for for what happens when she dies and various branches of of it depending on where she dies and 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 that sort of thing mm-hmm. i want to say if she that it enacted operation unicorn because yeah. she died in scotland that's right maybe a sign for glasgow i don't know anyway the the uh he he knew it very well and kind of explained like how all of this goes and and the thing the thing about why it would impact eurovision is that part of the plan involves broadcasting and changes in what can be shown on television and and so on for a surprisingly long time yeah that's right i just keep seeing things about like people on people on British Twitter complaining that like comedy shows or like stand-up comedy specials aren't allowed on television now. Yeah. And there's things like like public bike racks and like bus shelters are shutting down. Like this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interestingly, you know what's not being delayed or, or shut down at all? Bake off. But uh, oh wow. Well. Because supposedly oh, well. I think I think what it is is that entertainment, like I was looking at the BBC schedule for this week, you know, as 
we are recording. And it seemed like there was obviously overwhelmingly on BBC One, mostly news coverage and commentary and and documentaries about the the late Queen. But there seemed to be about like an hour and a half to two hours worth of other entertainment, you know, in in the primetime equivalent, basically. What she would have wanted. Yeah, it seemed like they would have allowances for entertainment, but not necessarily satire is how I was reading a lot of it. No, no peep show this week. Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) But honestly, if there's anything in this world that is comforting and an emotional balm on a hurting heart mm-hmm. it's paul hollywood's steely gaze <laughs> yes. handshake. Oh. F- future eurovision host paul hollywood ah yes uh, doing a uh we're we're keeping that rumor alive until it happens i want to <laughs> see it happen i want the whole gang paul prue noel and the other guy to to come and 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 host the show i recently as long as this is an all tangents episode i started watching last year's bake-off series and and I'm only three episodes in. Do not spoil what happens for me. But I will say this through three episodes. Mm-hmm. I think it is the best season I have seen so far in terms of people's accents. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the German guy has I, I smile and or laugh every time he opens his mouth because it's such a perfect German accent. Yes, it's, yes, he, it is kind of the cartoony German accent. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And then Francesco Gabani. The, uh, <laughs> I knew, I knew the, it. I knew the, it. The guy, that guy, the two younger British gals both have remarkable accents. One I find I'm not going to say which one, but one I find not pleasant at all, and the oh. other is lovely. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where that person is from but i hope that eurovision is not there if, oh. if that's where the accent is uh anyway anyway yeah the, but it seems good german guy and francesco gabani both seem very good i'm excited to see what happens if you spoil it for me i will kill you Duly disclaimer noted. disclaimer i won't but just please don't. so i shouldn't I, tell I, you about what happens in the season finale and kim joy swings in on an ivy branch and just that's kim joy's music <laughs> yeah that's and just yeah takes paul I, in the head you know the usual yeah i feel like uh yeah i i was thinking kind of weirdly when the queen passed that one of my first thoughts not like the first but one of the first thoughts was like this probably means i have more time to get caught up on bake off and heartless bastard well you know uh, but it turns out nope they it's not delayed at all they are rolling forward and honestly i think if 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 people want like a sense of normalcy and something that's just kind of cathartic mm-hmm. gosh that's uh, yeah i can see why they uh why they stuck with bake off anyway i'm gonna shut the hell up and uh, it, it's it's an important topic of you know what are the plans in place how mm. long is a broadcaster required to be in this morning period of course that's going to change from from broadcaster to broadcaster but the uk in particular having such a, a deep and dedicated tie to its monarchy culturally speaking you know i don't know if other other nations in europe that do have a monarchy would have that same level of all right you know the, the monarch has passed shut it down for a week or shut it down for a couple of days i don't know if that would happen in say the netherlands or sweden or denmark um, uh, I'm trying. Yeah. To, I've been trying to find the actual like what is the codified list of how long the schedule is wonky. But it makes you think if the Queen had made it to May and passed during the week of Eurovision, the vast majority of people watching, even though the show takes place in the United Kingdom, the vast people, the majority of people are, are watching aren't necessarily subject to the rules and regulations of a British broadcaster. But the show is being produced or co-produced by the BBC. 
So do you do you proceed or do you not? Do you shut it all down? Is the entire contest wiped? How I mean, do you, let's, how if, do you do this? Is, let's say okay, and I'm and I mean it, it's partic- I'm done shutting up by the way. It's uh, it's it, it's a particularly tricky thing in theory because it's in the United Kingdom next year. Right. So like we'll say our newly minted king Charles the Third kind of amazed he went with I know it's his name but I'm still kind of amazed he went with Charles because of the history there. Anyway, the uh, I mean yeah, suppose say day morning a semi one we have a new monarch. Put it yes. I mean, Sam, you, you've you've worked more closely with the EBU than any of us. Not that that necessarily helps in in this. Yeah, case. That's, <laughs> you know that, all about it. That is but way like, super above my pay grade, for the record. Yeah, I, I I help write some of the press releases. That's about as close as I get to making or being anywhere near those decisions. Fair enough. Well, yeah. I guess you've also followed Eurovision for longer. What what do you think would happen? Like like would is there any way they just say we can't do the show anymore? I mean, like if, it's just it, done? if if it were solely a production by the EBU with no help from the BBC, but it happened to be located within the United Kingdom, maybe it would partially continue. It could continue. Um, but I think about, you know, the day that the Queen passed, they were supposed to be giving out the awards, the Mercury Prize awards, and they just scrapped the show. I think the last night of the proms was also scheduled for, for that night, and they just scrapped it. Hmm. So I know that that's very much a domestic show with a domestic audience. Right. So my first thought is, I'm sorry, they shut it down because if the BBC is turning to an all news program, ah, I don't know. I really don't know. They can't really postpone it just because that would mess with everybody's schedules for, you know, all these other broadcasters. It's, this is, it's a huge, huge question. And you know, His Majesty the King could be struck by lightning at any point. You know, like you never know what's going to happen. I mean, not that I wish that on anybody, but, but uh, it, it kind of comes up with what we've never, we've never really had a major emergency that happened to a host nation mm-hmm. at the contest. And that's not necessarily saying, you know, the leader of, of the nation passes or anything like that. There have been situations where emergencies have happened or history has has caused certain things to, to be enacted, but we've never had something, to my knowledge, significant happen at the host nation that would affect the running of the show. We've had uh, we've had one example of that. In two in twenty twenty there was a pandemic. Well I mean that that app, you know what I mean. Like the, during the week of a show in progress, I should say, mm-hmm. where people like were e- everyone's everyone's there. They've rehearsed. They're ready to go, and then all of a sudden, we can't do the show. Right. Like I, I I would I would have to think the EBU would at least like if 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 the BBC refuses to air it, fine. But like there are there are thirty nine other countries that I, I'm not going to say they don't care, but but that that you know this is a this is a revenue generator for 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 right. a lot of countries and things for like that. Country. That they they would say, okay, well look. We're going to run the show. People can broadcast it if they want. They can skip it if they can't, or their weird laws say they can't, or, or whatever. But I have a hard time seeing the show just being scrapped. Just com- yeah, because then what do you do? Like like I mean, I guess we do have precedent now for what happens when a contest gets canceled, mm-hmm. but. But that was also a couple of weeks beforehand. If something happened, say, as couple, you said, yeah. the, the, the day of semi one or a jury final. Yeah, I think it would depend. This, is, this isn't something that came completely out of the blue. I mean, with all due respect, she was 97 years old. Yes, There of must course. have been contingency plans for every single thing going on in England mm-hmm. and the Commonwealth for years, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I can't yeah. imagine yeah. they didn't have some plan in place as soon as it was announced they would host like, well, what do we do if such and such happens? I might imagine that a lot of the BBC 
see participants might pull out, but they would have EBU people step in and still run the show. Yeah, probably. Maybe Sam wouldn't even be there. They would just it would be completely divorced from the UK and be a kind of a country neutral sort of presentation. Which would be very interesting this year, considering it is sort of co-hosted. Yeah, it's it's already in the Ukrainian, Mm -hmm. you know, the Ukrainian vibe. It's their context. I think the closest thing that you can kind of compare it to is, you know, back in 2012, when the United Kingdom were hosting, when it was London for the Olympics, if something had happened to the Queen during the London Olympics. Like that, uh, that James Bond stunt didn't go quite right, so exactly. well. Exactly. <laughs> if the parachute didn't open, if the parachute didn't open during that opening ceremony, which is still such a wonderful. Movie. Would you I, say that I, England is unique in the fact that, like, so like the the Queen of England dies, and this is like a, a, a moment of national import so grave that we need to cancel international competitions. Do you think that would play in any other country, like the death of a monarch in those countries where? a monarch still even has any kind of a if, role. I was well, kind of maybe a, somewhere small like local. Luxembourg, like, probably. Yeah. But, right. you know, but. I mean, so so right now, the nations that currently participate at Eurovision that have a monarchy, so you have the United Kingdom, you have Norway, Sweden, Denmark, you have Belgium, you have Spain, Netherlands, uh, Netherlands Luxembourg does not participate, Liechtenstein hmm. does not participate, the Vatican technically... <laughs> Yeah, you know, come come to think of it, Danny, the uh, I think maybe the only thing that would come close, potentially, Sam mentioned the Vatican would be if the Pope. Oh, like if it was uh, hosting it in, in Italy and the Pope especially died. if it was in Italy, yeah. which in yeah. that honestly, which honestly, this kind of brings in a different question in even as huge of a, of a viewership draw as the Eurovision Song Contest is for something as massive as the death of, you know, the British monarch or the death of the Pope, which is really sort of an international national thing mm-hmm. all of these national broadcasters would probably switch to breaking news wouldn't they they'd have to mm-hmm. exactly pretty much have to yeah so the contest would probably it, it might go on in the arena but it wouldn't be but it might go on in oh the ebu like, would like tape delay. i don't know ebu would probably just be like oh we're gonna do this on a tape delay yeah and granted everybody in the audience would be checking their phones for updates <laughs> yeah <like> yeah <laughs> is the pope still dead yep still dead all right look here's albania um but would they have to like i mean i i don't know in a there's so many different like situations we could break down and kind of discuss on this, but I'm just trying to imagine like if we were in the middle of the show mm. and news broke that the Pope died or something and it's like, okay, we're going to go to tape and just air the show tomorrow night instead. Like just record the rest of the show and then just air it tomorrow and just then voting would start. And then they'd have to like do a special or results you, thing without you, anybody in the arena. Or do you revert to the jury show, the mm. jury vote? And just not have a televote? Not have a televote. Ooh, Ooh. people would be mad about that. Sweden yeah. could get that win finally but there, asterisk here. <laughs> but there is a little bit of a precedent for this and like i mentioned before there have been other emergencies last minute in non-hosting countries that have caused delegations to kind of kind of pivot a little bit um mm-hmm. i think about a back in 2012 so hosted in azerbaijan and then the day of the semi-final uh that albania was participating in there was a massive and very tragic bus crash that killed dozens of young students that was all over the Albanian news. It was probably one of the biggest, you know, tragedies in, in, you know, that they had dealt with in a long time. And so all news pivoted to this, this tragic crash. And because of that, it superseded any showing of Eurovision. Like it's just, this is like, it's not the time yeah. for that, for the final, for the semifinal, I should say. Ro- uh, not Ronella. Um, Rona, Rona Nishliu, who sang Seuss that year. She still went on. She performed. She did, you know, before the show, she, you know, tweeted out that she was singing in honor of, of the memory 
memories of, of those who had died. And the Albanian televote did not happen. It was replaced by entirely the jury vote. And the show, I think, was shown on a tape delay later on when news coverage had, had slowed down. They did mm-hmm. rejoin the show for the live final. It's interesting because that's one country out of 40. Absolutely. It's a very localized story. You know, I don't think it affected anything outside of Albania. But it's just how, how one nation that was faced with the major, major news story had to pivot. And it probably didn't even make the news in the other countries. Yeah, maybe probably. maybe in the next country's over, you know. Like, yeah, in like Montenegro or something. Maybe, yeah, exactly. Italy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then this didn't necessarily happen on the day of the show, but back in 1974, the contest was scheduled for April 6th, and President Pompidou of France died on April 2nd. And France, of course, had a singer on site, ready to go. Uh, the singer's name was Danny. She, we, we actually talked about her a few weeks ago. She's recently passed away. That France just ended up withdrawing altogether. You know, four days before the contest, they just bowed out. It's like, I'm sorry, out of, out of respect, we're not going to show the show, and we're not going to have our, our singer perform. What was and, the song about? Uh, I, the like, song, well, the title translates to something like life at life at 21 years old. Ah, yeah. So it was, okay. yeah. I mean, I don't know. It seems like you could go on, but I know Pompidou was a popular guy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. maybe, I don't know. Yeah. A, a, a head of government, like uh, a, a non-royal head of state, it seems perfectly acceptable, even within like a few days to be like, oh, okay, well, we're going to have to see if we're going to show the contest, especially mm-hmm. for someone very popular. Yeah. But spare a thought for France though, because that, that was Abba's year. And so, they missed a they missed a hell of a year. Mm-hmm. And we've had a few other things like this, right? It, not it, Pompidou may be the closest thing to this scenario, this hypothetical we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But France wasn't hosting, right? Because uh, the it was the UK hosting that year, right? No, 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 in, no, no it was. Um, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm sorry, it was the UK hosting. Yes, it was. That was the one in Brighton because all the one yeah. there. Yeah, I know it hasn't always been, you know, the the, the week long contest that it has been, but it just seems uncanny for a sixty year contest to to really just. <laughs> not have really run into this situation. Not you know, that there would be like a, a moment of so. national emergency during this. It seems seems strange for an annual event. I'm sure that there are, you know, backups and contingency plans in place mm-hmm. that we just, you know, we don't have the rule book literally in front of us right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, if you are higher up at the EBU and you happen to be listening to this and you would like to contribute and let us know what the hell would happen. Yeah, Rob. <laughs> Dave. Uh- <laughs> Uh, please let us know. I'm actually genuinely curious of what would happen. Mm-hmm. If if you're if you're able to say, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure there are yeah. some things that are kept pretty close to the chest. Right, of course. Yeah, and there have been other situations where a recent global event had caused Eurovision to kind of change and adapt to how the event was sort of held. So the year after the Munich Olympic attack that killed a number of Israeli athletes at the Olympics that year. So 1972, Israel debuted at Eurovision in 1973. So the wounds were still very raw, still very, very, very real. And the event was held in Luxembourg, if I'm not mistaken. So Israel were last in the running order that year. And according to Terry Wogan, he would tell the story often that supposedly the audience were told, no matter how wonderful you think the Israeli entry may be, do not give it a standing ovation. Anybody who's standing and approach, it could be seen as potentially a Approaching the stage could be seen as a security threat and taken out. Oh, God. I mean, I mean to this day, Israel kind of has their own extra layer of security sometimes, don't they? I, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, whichever final Israel is in, security is a little bit tighter. It, and, it seems and, that way. Yeah, it yeah. really does. 
does. Yeah. It, it, the next time you watch the uh, 2018 contest, mm. I, I I feel like I'm the only person who's noticed this because I don't think anybody talked about it at the time or, or, or whatever. But after Netta won and she's walking back towards the stage, there's a moment where she's walking through the green room. So she's walking by the other artist. And Caesar Sampson uh, from Austria tried to approach the, the, the entourage and like congratulate her. And there's one of the people, one of the delegation people. I don't, I don't think he was like specifically a bodyguard or anything, but like was not having it. And, and like, I, I don't, I don't think he like shoved Caesar out of the way or anything, but it was, he was pretty forcefully like get back to, to another participant in, in the contest. Hmm. So this is a meandering way of saying, um, Israel that one time and and for the and for the record you know yeah I mean for the record other delegations do have their own sense of security as well I mean I I distinctly remember after the final in Austria Derek and I were at the Euro Club and just happened to be standing in the wrong place at the wrong time and Mullen Zemmerlo was going to the stage at one point and Derek got a bit of an accidental shove not accidental a bit of a shove from a from a security guard who wanted to make sure that Mullen's had plenty of space and Mullen's apologized he does he did (laughs) (laughs) So you were just standing there, Derek. You just happened to be, you know. They just keep like, well, he. I think he just did his like Euro Club encore performance, and he had the trophy in his hand, and he was leaving. These two just big dudes were like his guards, and. (laughs) Just like they were just tearing through, and he just shoved me out of the way. And Mons was just like, "Yeah, sorry about that," and just kept going. Two large Swedes. I don't think they were Swedes. I'm not sure. Oh, uh, fair enough. They weren't blonde. It was hard yeah. to tell. They were blue helmets. They were. <laughs> oh, that... <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of yeah. uh, large, yeah, speaking of large Nordic people. One of the times I was quote unquote in Iceland. In Iceland, see. <laughs> I was in Iceland. So the oh, God, he still has the bag. Oh, I've, God. You're I'll have the bag, bag forever. You're going to frame that thing, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, the bag says I was in Iceland. Anyway, uh, as, as we were going towards Ireland and we had to stop over at Keflavik, we walked right by what I later figured out was the Icelandic national basketball team. Ooh. Yeah. Who are, I think, on the come up a little bit. They beat Italy earlier this year, uh, which is pretty slick. They had a couple of games the week we were over there. They got crushed by Spain, which is not a huge surprise, and then they meet, they beat somebody. Anyway, they have one guy who's tall. <laughs> Just one. He's really tall. The others are fairly normal-sized people, I think. <laughs> but yeah, I, getting back on topic as much yes. as we can, I guess. What? I Us like going on a tangent? What? Yeah, I, I feel like oh. the closest thing we've had to a Eurovision being very directly and heavily impacted by current events was this year. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it was a little bit touch and go whether we would actually have a Ukrainian delegation at the contest this year. Yeah, you know, for their for their safety, for you know domestic legal reasons, would they ha- they had to have a special dispensation to leave the country? That it was sort of seen as a, a almost a diplomatic you know a diplomatic uh, mission, I guess you could almost say that they that they made it to Turin. Uh, mission accomplished. It, very much so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it was it was we never had anything like that before, really. It feels like Ukraine would perform no matter what. Yeah. Like it's just kind of not out of spite, but oh, a little bit out of resolve, though. Yeah, like, resolve, like right. into, like just to show up and show that they're still there and still fighting and I think it's it's part of their defiance yes and I think that's important I think it's really important that they regardless of the results still show up and bring attention to it but I do kind of wonder like well you know everything is sort of up in the air what there's sort of I think what we talk 
talked about before the contest that some of the members of Kalush Orchestra were like on the phone lines. Yeah. And I was sort of wondering like, God, what if something happens to one of them? Yeah. Are they all going to be alive by the time the contest uh, rolls around? Um, or mm. uh, I mean, they, they were on like the preview party circuit though, weren't they? Like they eventually they just left and were able to stay Yeah. I mean, the preview, the preview party circuit was a bit more limited this year. Um, That's true. But yeah, there were just a couple. Yeah. So not it's not much like of a circuit massive, really. Massive tour, but, um, but they have been performing afterwards and mm-hmm. uh, yeah i mean it makes you wonder if things have been a little bit different how would would they have made it or would would a version of them have made it would if something had god forbid happened to a member of the group before the show how would that have been handled and it's it kind of makes you shudder to think a little bit yeah no kidding. and and fortunately they're all they're all doing all right so mm-hmm. yeah huh. <laughs> so to bring it up to bring it full circle uh we learned uh, this is from our pals over at Aussie Vision, who do a lot of very good work. They're the just great very, guys in general. The, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, they're good besides their work, but their work is good. Anyway, the the uh, the very idea of Eurovision is rooted somewhat in the recently departed Queen, so or at least speak. the logistics. Or yeah, I suppose. Yeah. So as as you know, we we talk about Eurovision as the contest, but really it's more than that. Eurovision is a grouping and a, and a partnership of broadcasters all over Europe and really internationally now as well, in order to share technology, to share media, uh, to share coverage, and a lot of that now finds a home in major major live events. And one of the very first live international broadcasts that was really facilitated by the Eurovision network of broadcasters, like the first real trial of can we make an international live broadcast happen, especially over long distances, was Queen Elizabeth II's coronation back in 1953. So we're talking three years before the actual contest itself. This is before Marcel Besançon had the idea for a music contest. The first, one of the first live international broadcasts that Eurovision as a grouping of broadcasters did was the coronation, which just kind of makes you think how long she was on the throne. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This will be the first Eurovision without Elizabeth as queen. I mean, I, I one of, in the UK. Yeah. I, I remember one of the other first things I thought of when I heard that she had passed was the, like, this is the first monarchy change in my lifetime. And then I realized this is the first monarchy change in my mom's lifetime. Uh-huh. It's it's crazy. Yeah. It's not the first of my dad's. He was a baby. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, yeah, when uh, George VI. George VI. Yeah, that's right. I knew that. What percentage uh, but... of British people were alive before she was coronated? I'm curious. The percentage of people who are older than 93. Well, well older than <laughs> seven. Older seven. than right. seven. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, I'm like, I'm, somebody mentioned that the other day. Like, oh, most, most people in the UK, this has been their entire life. And I'm like, what percentage of the population was around before? That's a good well, question. Well, somebody I'll would check the Statmotron. The, this yes. British demographic Statmotron. Yeah. I mean, yeah, something I could look up, but it just occurred to me. It's it's just staggering to think, you know. And you know, she she saw what fifteen U.S. presidents and thirteen prime ministers, or the other way around, something <sighs> something, something crazy like, like that. that. It just yeah. ev- met every U.S. president from Eisenhower onward, with the exception of Lyndon B. Johnson, who just Probably never made it best. over. Who, they just never they just never met. It's just the mind boggles, you know. Speaking of which, children born on nine eleven can now drink. Oh, oh shut up. Oh wow. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Shut your mouth, Derek. That's crazy. 
that's crazy. So yeah, I I, uh, I only learned recently that that Eurovision as a thing is more than just the contest. That like it's that there are more things under the Eurovision like banner or name than just that. Uh, I learned about and this was in Ireland. I learned about Eurovision sport that yep. uh, is basically like any any like multinational athletics championships like swimming or track and field that sort of thing that gets broadcast in multiple countries that's eurovision that's eurovision sport i mm-hmm. didn't know that, they do that for, you didn't know that they do that for news as well wild all these all these big things yeah they have that optical shop in manhattan <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah eurovision mm. mm-hmm. biggest one of the biggest shocks of my life by the way i don't know if it's still there uh, but i was walking up like it might have been like broadway and and it's near Fort, like near Broadway and Forty Second Street by like the big Macy's yeah. and stuff. And I was just walking, I was just walking around by myself on a nice night in in New York, and I saw like a glasses shop called Eurovision Optical. Couldn't believe it. Someone's gonna get sued. Give yourself eyes like a phoenix. Anyway, hey. uh, oh, folks, no. you can. Uh, are we? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's. We're not gonna do any better than yeah, that. Let's call that's, it. We've peaked as a people. Uh, yeah, again, if you want to give us your favorite optical Eurovision puns, send them our way at one two points USA on either Facebook or Twitter, 12 points from America at gmail.com. If you'd like to email us directly, find us on YouTube, find us on Patreon, find us on Redbubble if you want a t-shirt. Eric, you're still looking very longingly and quizzically at that soda. Eric. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm kind of coming around on the dream soda. No. That's uh, me. Yeah. Fair, I came so uh, well shall we call it until the next time hopefully we'll have more eurovision news instead <laughs> yeah, of commentary let's, but let's get a host city or something yeah evu get on that yeah all right but until Rob. then until then everybody i've been samantha i've been derek i've been eric i've been danny in america stop, stop listening, listening now. Now. No, it's okay. I mean, it's uh, it's bad, but I'm kind of enjoying it. Like the fifth element. The fifth element was dream soda. <laughs> in the middle of the bottle, I kept checking to make sure the label wasn't in Korean or something. <laughs> <laughs> this is expired 1970. Uh-oh.